Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to ride. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You ain't heard nothing yet. Wait a minute, I tell you. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Welcome to the David Pollock Show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another exciting David Pollock show. We are here at the new uh, Dark David studio uh, coming out of an undisclosed location in Florida. And speaking of Florida, snowbirds are coming home. That's right. You have seen it. Uh, Ron DeSantis has suspended his campaign. Uh, I guess the cold of Iowa. Uh, has has inspired him to come back to the Sunshine State like everybody else up there. Like, I'm done with this winter. We're going south. So he's back. He suspended his campaign. We are going to talk a lot about this later in the show. I don't want to talk about this yet because I have other things I want to get to before I get into this. But don't worry. I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about the suspension of Ron DeSantis' campaign. Later in the show, we also have an exciting guest tonight. Um, we have Erica Donalds coming on. Uh, she is the wife of Byron Donalds, Congressman Byron Donalds, and she does education is her thing. She is guest faculty at the Leadership Institute uh, and the CEO of something called OptimaEd, and we're going to talk about all that a little bit later. Uh, so don't go anywhere. That's going to be an exciting interview as well. And um, as always, uh, since we last spoke, a lot has happened, and I need to fill you in, basically with everything that's happened since the last time we spoke. So, of course, what is it? Last Monday, we were previewing the Iowa caucus. Well, and as we predicted and as we discussed, you guys know what happened in the Iowa caucus, right? Donald Trump took 51% of the vote. This is the largest margin of victory ever by the way, in the Iowa caucus. I think the last margin of victory that was anywhere near as close was in 1988. It was Bob Dole. He got 13% of the vote. Donald Trump won by over 20 points over Ron DeSantis, who came in second place. Now, uh, I got a little bit of a video for you. This is his speech, and I want you to hear what he says. It's very interesting. It's going to be video one, Ryan. And uh, here's Trump. After he wins... Uh, decidingly, in Iowa. Well, I want to thank everybody. This has been some period of time, and most importantly, we want to thank the great people of Iowa. Thank you. We love you all. What a turnout. What a crowd. And I really think this is time now for everybody our country to come together. We want to come together, uh, whether it's Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative. It would be so nice if we could 
come together and straighten out the world and straighten out the problems and straighten out all of the death and destruction that we're witnessing. That's practically never been like this. It's uh, just so important. And I want to make that a very big part of our message. We're going to come together. It's going to happen soon, too. It's going to happen soon. We're going to come together. Now, I'll talk to you more about that unity message here when we talk about the Ron DeSantis uh, campaign suspension. But it's very interesting, right, the tone he took? He sounded very presidential. Now, by the way, that was too many lies uh, for the mainstream media, CNN and MSNBC. They refused to even carry that speech. They said, we refuse to broadcast Donald Trump's lies. I, I guess he was lying about unity. I mean, this is where we're at with them. They'd want to censor everything. They don't want you to see him uh, actually sounding presidential. Instead, they just want you to see the version that they want to create. But either way, that was Trump on election night. But here's what happens after Donald Trump wins convincingly. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, or Vivek, like cake, they say that's how you pronounce his name. Um, he is out. <laughs> he sees the re results and he says, okay, fine. Um, I guess I will suspend my campaign and endorse Donald Trump. Now, the thing is, earlier, I was giving him a hard time last Monday. Uh, there was that Days of Our Lives video that I put together uh, with dramatic music. Um, but you know what? It's all fair in war, right? So now Ram Swamy is on our side. He did the right thing. He's stumping for Trump. And uh, so then he goes immediately to New Hampshire. This is going to be video two. And now I think he's going to be a pretty potent weapon for us. Here's Vivek Ram Swamy in New Hampshire in this race than this man right here. And that is why I am asking you to do the right thing as New Hampshire and to vote for Donald J. Trump as your next president, because we're not working with a lot of time here. If our kids are in high school before we get this right, we don't have a country left. That's what it means. We've been celebrating our diversity and our differences for so long that we forgot all of the ways that we are the same as Americans, bound by that common set of ideals that set this country into motion. We believe those ideals still exist. This man is going to be your next president to revive them. E pluribus unum. From many, one. Now, look, I'm all on board. I think he's electric. He knows all of the... Right things to say. He certainly has the America First talking points down. Um, I still have a little bit of an authenticity issue with him after, you know, trying to convince Trump supporters in Iowa to flip towards him. He'll have to work on that. Um, and I'll talk a little bit. I have so much to say on DeSantis. I wish we were talking about it now. But I can't talk about it yet because I have so much to say later. But we'll get to it. Uh, interesting enough, then you have Nikki Haley, by the way, who came in third. Third place. Um, this is going to be video three. And despite coming in third place, she makes a very interesting claim. Go ahead with video three. At one point in this campaign, there were 14 of us running. I was at 2% in the polls. But tonight, Iowa did what Iowa always does so well. The pundits will analyze the results from every angle. We get that. But when you look at how we're doing in New Hampshire, in South Carolina, and beyond,
I can safely say tonight, Iowa made this Republican primary a two-person race. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, you know, uh, later we're going to have uh, Erica Donalds on. Maybe we should ask her how uh, public education might have failed Nikki Haley because apparently uh, she's not very good at math. So uh, at that point when she made that speech, there was four people in the race, including Vivek. He, hadn't, uh, can, he hasn't left the race yet. And remember, Ron DeSantis had just got out the other day. So at this point in Iowa, despite four people being in the race and despite Haley coming in third – it was convincingly a two-person race. Uh, that's the world she's living in. Um, and so going forward, you know, my note, note I didn't put up Ron DeSantis's uh, Iowa night speech where he basically compared himself to George Washington and vowed to continue because you know what? He's conceded at this point. He has suspended his campaign. So we're going to leave uh, Governor Ron DeSantis alone. And now we're going to focus on our remaining never-Trumper globalist Nikki Haley. And so moving on with Nikki Haley now to New Hampshire, uh, apparently she has decided that she is now uh, brown. <laughs> so this is going to be video four. This is Nikki Haley's new campaign strategy, and she's been uh, trying to appeal to Democrats because now in New Hampshire and in South Carolina, they have these funny primaries where Democrats can vote for the Republican nominee, which makes no sense. It's the Republican's candidate. Why should Democrats choose who the Republican candidate is? But either way, so now Nikki seems to be playing to uh, the Democrats, and here's what she had to say about growing up brown. This is going to be video number four. I was teased every day for being brown. So anyone that wants to question it can go back and look at what I've said on how hard it was to grow up in the deep south as a brown girl. Anybody can look at my record and see when Walter Scott was shot down by a dirty cop, how I made sure that the Walter Scott family didn't suffer because we put the first body camera bill in the country in place. Anybody can look at the fact that when we had nine amazing souls die in Mother Emanuel Church, I did something that no Republican or Democrat ever wanted to touch, which was call for the Confederate flag to come down because it would take two-thirds of the House and Senate and was an impossible feat. I don't know what you're implying with that, but what I will tell you is saying that I had black friends is a source of pride. Saying that I had white friends is a source of pride. If you want to know what it was like growing up, I was disqualified from a beauty pageant because I wasn't white or black, because they didn't know where to put me. So look, I know the hardships, the pain that come with racism. It's the reason that I fight bullies every day when it comes to racism, anti-Semitism, or hate, and I always will. If I didn't mention slavery on that day, it's because that's an automatic. There's always been the civil war's always been known about slavery she was um defending herself because uh i guess at a town hall or something she was asked about uh what were the origins or what was the cause for the civil war and she didn't mention slavery <laughs> so she's getting some uh, grief about that um interesting enough now you know of course she's going to the racism card because she's trying to appeal to democrats and that's a good talking point for them this could be topic one um Interesting enough, when it was, con I, I don't know if you call this convenient or just maybe s selective memory, uh, Nikki Haley listed herself as white on her voter registration card. 
uh, in 2011. And this is going to be topic two. And despite being brown and, and, and made fun as an Indian, here's Dinesh D'Souza. He says, I came to America from Bombay, uh, India at age 17. I have spent the last four decades in the most conservative precincts of American life. I have never been teased for being brown, and I'm browner than Nikki Haley. So what's going on here? So we all know what's going on here. Um, she's trying to use whatever opportunity she can to get ahead. Why? Because her policies stink. Here's Nikki Haley. But she keeps flip-flopping on this issue because it's a weak point for her. Here's Nikki Haley on how she plans to handle Social Security. It's going to be video five, Ryan, because she's tried to defend this. DeSantis has hit her on it, um, and she keeps kind of waffling about where she is. Let's hear what her plan is for Social Security video eight. Multiple candidates on that stage that said they wouldn't touch entitlements, including Trump. And any candidate that says they're not going to touch entitlements means that they're basically going to go into the go into office and then leave America bankrupt. Social Security is going to mm -hmm. go bankrupt in 10 years. Medicare is going to go bankrupt in eight. So the way we deal with it is we don't touch anyone's retirement or anyone who's been promised in. But we go to people like my kids in their 20s when they're coming into the system and we say the rules have changed. We change retirement mm -hmm. age to reflect life expectancy. Instead of cost of living increases, we do it based on inflation. We limit the benefits the on the wealthy and we expand Medicare Advantage plans. What's the right age there then, Ambassador? Well, I think we have to do the numbers. We've got to figure out what it is. But what we do know is 65 is way too low and she we need to increase that. We need to do it according to life expectancy. She has said 70 repeatedly that her plan is to raise the retirement age to 70. And you hear what she said here? It depends on life expectancy. So basically, she just wants to make sure you die before you get Social Security. That, And she's saying this is what the future generations can accept, uh, expect uh, with Social Security. Now, here is what Donald Trump has to say about it. This is going to be video eight. This is what Donald Trump has to say about Social Security. He's not going to – he's not talking about raising the age or making it harder for people to get it or wait until they die to get it. Here's what Trump says about Social Security. Go ahead and take video eight. And guys like many of the Democrats, but guys like DeSantis and to a lesser extent, Nikki Haley, they want to play around with your Social Security. You don't have to touch Social Security. We have money laying in the ground far greater than anything we can do by hurting senior citizens with their Social Security. Ron DeSantis wanted to bring up on Social Security. Now, of course, he says, well, I wouldn't. But, you know, one thing I learned about politicians, I've known them, I've dealt with them on the other side for a long time. Their first thought is always the thought that they go to. He wanted to raise the minimum age, the age on Social Security to 70. That's a big increase. But he also wanted to raise it to 75. If that happened, people would be devastated. We have such incredible wealth under our feet that that takes care of everything. Hear that? That's what a plan sounds like. Uh, other than just, hey, let's just change the rules in the entitlement. What does Trump talk about? Building more wealth for the nation. That, I mean, think about the difference between the two. Yeah, let's just keep charging you money, raise your taxes, and change your entitlement age. Eh, versus Trump. Let's make the country wealthier. That's what Make America Great Again looks like. And which is why now she's she knows she's weak on the policies. I mean, that, that's just the beginning, not to mention what her forward stances on foreign wars, her associations to globalist organizations that don't have America first. Um, you know, Donald Trump beats her across the board on policy, but it doesn't even matter, really, because guess what? 
Uh, Donald Trump is ahead in every poll. And tomorrow uh, in New Hampshire, he's going to win. And he's going to win in South Carolina, too, and she knows it. Nikki Haley's plan here is simple. It's to get close enough to Trump. She knows she's not going to beat him. It's to get close enough to Trump so that way uh, they can at least give people hope to oppose him. This whole operation, whether it's the RNC, whether it's Nikki Haley, whether it was Ron DeSantis' case, all to slow and 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 make it so that even if Trump wins, they have to delegitimize the historic nature of his margins of victory. But, you know, it's fine. We're, we're going to see what happens tomorrow. Um, something else I want to mention to you guys, which is really interesting, is now that Trump is doing so well in Iowa and going and arguably going to win New Hampshire. I'm calling it right now. He's going to win New Hampshire and most likely South Carolina and every place. He's going to be the nominee after South Carolina. I don't think anybody stays in this race after that, not even Nikki Haley. But now, interesting enough, this is going to be video nine. Let's listen to what Merrick Garland has to say. President uh, Donald Trump is scheduled for March. Uh, you know, some of the polling recently shows that three quarters of Republicans believe that he's being targeted uh, for political reasons. Uh, does it concern you that uh, that this public perception exists? And, and what can you do to try to change that? OK, um, of course, it concerns me. Um, what we have to do is show by the acts that we take that we're following the law, that we're following the facts, the um, um, prosecutions that you're talking about were brought last year um, and the uh, special prosecutor has uh, said from the beginning uh, that he thinks uh, public interest requires a speedy uh, trial, which I agree with. You agree with that? I do. And uh, the matter is now in the hands of the uh, trial judges to determine when the uh, trials will take place. The department. Speedy trial. Speedy trial. Uh, Constitution gives the right to a defendant. The Constitution gives the right to a defendant for a speedy trial. That is your right as a defendant. So if you're incarcerated pre-trial or if your whole life is held in limbo because you're being prosecuted for a crime you didn't commit, you have the right to demand a speedy trial. And depending on the jurisdiction, it's a certain number of days that they have to go and prove their case ahead of you. Trump has not elected his right to a speedy trial. It's not in his interest to have a speedy trial. He wants to have a long, <laughs> delayed trial. There's a lot of evidence to uncover. There's a lot of investigations to be done. And uh, somehow, uh, our attorney general is suggesting, which, by the way, doesn't exist in the Constitution, that there's a public interest in having a speedy trial. What is that public interest? When does the public interest outweigh a defendant's constant, a criminal defendant's constitutional right? Yeah, you have constitutional rights, but the public interest says you don't. That isn't a standard that's ever been accepted in the United States. But for some reason, a former president of the United States, the likely nominee of the Republican Party and the likely 47th president of the United States, the public interest means we should get him to trial quickly. What is that public interest? Is that the public interest or is it the Democrat interest? This is the lawfare Donald Trump is fighting for. This is the lawfare that America is fighting against. This right here, and you heard it right from their mouths, lawfare. We need to hurry up and try this guy. Well, good luck. Um, the Supreme Court has not showed any interest in giving a speedy trial right to Jack Smith. So um, these will probably be delayed until after the election, and maybe at this point it won't matter anymore. Um, I got to give uh, some love to my sponsors real quick. 
Um, before I go and introduce our next guest, um, I you guys have heard me talk about uh, Topper's Ice Cream here in Orlando, Florida, specifically uh, in Apopka. This is sponsor too. Um, they provide fantastic soft serve ice cream. It's really frozen custard. Uh, if you haven't had frozen style custard, it's popular in the Midwest. It's like soft serve ice cream, but rich. Um, they have some really good toppings on there. It, it, it's one of my favorite ways to enjoy ice cream. It's not, you know, when you have to dig through toppings with a spoon with traditional ice cream, uh, it's, it's perfectly blended together. They have any toppings you can think of. They have pup cups for dogs. They have drive through. And if you go to Google, they have like 500 five-star reviews. So this is Topper's Ice Cream uh, in uh, Apopka, Florida here. So if you're in my Central Florida listening area, make sure you go check yourself out. Topper's. Um, I also want to let you guys know, uh, in today's age, uh, this is sponsor three, uh, you can never be too secure with the way you communicate. And you need a VOIP provider that provides the state-of-the-art encryption to protect your communications. I know a lot of my friends use Signal because they want to have a secure communications. You want to make it easy uh, for the big guy to spy on you. Um, so you need to go get yourself a VOIP provider that can provide you the state-of-the-art encryption so you can have secure communications. And you want to replace that telephone company that provides you with awful service. Um, public telephone company provides U.S.-based customer service. They can provide all of your telephone needs. So go call them right there. The number's on your screen. Get yourself some phone services, business services, um, domestic customer service. That's key. Um, also, for my friends out there who are trying to plan for their financial future, the financial future of their employees and their own family, uh, especially if you're high net worth, I encourage you to go check out FinSec Life. They have all of your life uh, insurance products and other uh, product lines that can help secure your wealth uh, for the future. So go check out FinSec Life, especially for my high net worth individuals. You'll see what you need right there. Uh, Fantastic service. Uh, experts been doing this a long time. I recommend them. Uh, if you are having problems sleeping because maybe you're just a little uncomfortable on your pillow, you know what I'm going to tell you guys, right? The uncancelable Mike Lindell's Mike, My Pillow is where you need to go so you do not get woke. You need a good night's sleep. I have my pillows in my house on every single bed. Uh, we also have slippers and the towels, and we actually have my pillow dog beds, guys. You see those right there, the dog beds? They are very reasonably priced. They cost probably less than what you're paying for your dog beds now, and they're so comfortable. My, we have two of them. I have two dogs, and they actually like fight over them. They're like, oh, no, I want that bed tonight. Um, fantastic dog beds. I recommend them highly. If you use promo code Pollock or you just go to MyPillow.com slash Pollock, uh, you'll save up to 80% across product lines. So go check it out. Get yourself some MyPillow stuff. And lastly, you hear me talk about it every week. If you are not drinking Beard Vet Coffee, uh, what are you waiting for? This is a company that supports veteran and first responder organizations with a portion of their proceeds. They are not a woke company. They have great products. This is Sponsor 5. They have uh, fantastic product lines. They also have grooming products like beard oils. They have tumblers and all kinds of things like that. Um, they also have tactical now, Beard Vet Tactical, so you can get ammunition. You can get uh, pepper sprays and survival, whatever you want. Beard Vet has you covered. They, like they said, the coffee is always right. And if you use promo code David, you save 10%. Who can't use an extra 10% in Joe Biden's economy? So make sure you go get yourself some Beard Vet coffee and tactical supplies today. Joining me now is Erica Donald. She's guest faculty at the Leadership Institute. She's also the CEO of Optima Ed. She's also, and she says this is her favorite title, she's the wife of Congressman Byron Donald's. 
Erica Donalds, welcome to the David Pollack Show. Yes, David, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, it's, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, Why well, I'm so excited to have you on the show today, because there's so much going on in politics. And, you know, the border is a big issue with a lot of people. Um, education has been brought up. They're talking about eliminating the Department of Education. Education is a common topic. And, you know, it, I really like having people who understand education and, and that's your focus. And, and especially here in the state of Florida, where we have school choice. And, and to, this week is National School Choice Week, I believe. It is. Yes. Uh, the entire country is celebrating school choice, although Florida is the school choice state. Absolutely. And that's and that's what's cool. See, uh, you know, there's been a lot of news and I mentioned earlier in the show that we're going to talk about it later. But, you know, Ron DeSantis come back to the state of Florida to be governor. And last year we passed school choice and it's been really good. I know a lot of people are participating in the program. And since it's National School Choice Week, I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit. But what is school choice? Well, every single parent in this entire country and really in the world has the right to direct the upbringing of their children, including what type of education that child gets. And we know that in America, we've had a one size fits all government run system for a century now, and it really hasn't worked out well for us as a monopoly. So we want to give that power to parents, the funding that goes along with the power to choose the school that works best for their children. And I have three different children, three boys. I have chosen different schools for them over the years and been blessed to do so. But here in Florida, we've given every single parent the uh, right to have an ESA, education scholarship account, and choose the school that works best for them for their values at home. We've seen some crazy things happening in public schools with political and cultural indoctrination. Uh, so we want parents to be able to choose a school that works for their values, that's gonna perform well. And really every single child should love their school. Uh, that's why at Optima Ed, we're also starting schools every year to help parents have better options that they can use with these uh, scholarships. Now, uh, can I ask you about Optima Ed a little bit? Because I like the idea what you're saying is starting for options because we did a two-part, literally, I think it was like a two-hour show a while back uh, on the David Pollack show about all the different options with education. And um, what I'm starting to find is there's all these different options now because people think, oh, it's either regular school, homeschool, or private school. They don't know about all these different options. And so what are you doing then at Optima Ed as far as providing alternative options for people to get an education? Well, I'm really passionate about high quality classical liberal arts curriculum. So I have launched five brick and mortar charter schools here in the state of Florida, all across the state. And we also started Optima Academy Online, which is the world's first virtual reality school. It is available tuition free here in Florida and many other states across the country, including Arizona, other states that offer school choice to families. And so we our goal is that every single parent across the entire country would have the ability to choose a high quality classical liberal arts curriculum. That's what I think is best for not just the children, but for the future of our country and the maintenance of our democratic republic. And so Optima Academy Online is that option people can take advantage of at home, or we love to help start these charter schools, private schools that would use a classical liberal arts curriculum in their classrooms and provide parents that option as well helping parents to pay for these things though with the funding that they deserve to be able to move with them when they leave a public school yeah i, I love that you're doing that uh, it, my kids are in public school and you know I'm, I'm always supplementing their education what they're learning or my, me and possibly even not learning and across and i live in seminole county florida and, and, and we have good schools here we're a plus we're an a-rated district but still after covid 
education, public education wasn't quite the same. It, it seems a lot of things were reprioritized and kids were fell behind a little bit. I mean, it seems like the ESE programs are a little under under uh, under prioritized right now. And there's a lot of kidney services catching up. It just seems like overall there's been a lot of competition for attention um, in public school. And those kids who are performing well seem to just be showing up, taking the test and and getting grades. And, and that's all they seem to be doing. And so we find ourselves having to teach that little bit extra and, and being underwhelmed with what they're getting out of their curriculum. And so we thought a lot as a family about what can we do to supplement our daughter's education um, to get her in a place where she's getting the benefit of her intelligence. And that's why I love the idea about what you're talking about with charter schools, because now you're given the opportunity of not having you know, a public school system where you have to basically use the funding you have to teach everybody and maybe have a curriculum that's curtailed to the individual student. Can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, my vision for education, really education freedom, is that you could customize your student's education. You know, I think about it as an entrepreneur because I'm not an educator, although I served on a public school board. I came from the private sector. And so I looked at the system and thought, why does it look like this? This is the 21st century. Every parent should be able to customize their child's education. If you want your child to go to a public school for a particular math class or history, great, they can do that. But you can also have them take an incredible online physics course at home or the local U.S. History Museum should be able to teach U.S. history with all of their expertise and artifacts. I mean, why not? Why not now when we have so much flexibility in the rest of our lives and everything is at our fingertips? Why shouldn't education be just as customizable as everything else in our lives with all the great technology that we have? And so I just want parents to be able to make those choices. And when parents have the power of the purse, if you will, that free market will open up and innovations will take place that we can't even imagine right now. We're so limited in our mindset of what education can be because we've been locked into this one size fits all monopoly system for so long. And that's why it's so important that things like what's being done in Florida continue to thrive and grow so that we can get that free market innovation that's going to bring quality and access across the board. It's something that I've advocated because of exactly what you said. After COVID, parents realized that things were just not up to par. And maybe for some students, but students like yours and mine who need an additional challenge, maybe learn in a little bit of a different way, it's really important that we have the freedom and flexibility to go where we need to go to make sure that our children get what they need. Yeah, and, and the options as well, and, and getting the information to the parents so they know what choices they have. And and that, for me, I've had to spend a lot of time just trying to figure it all out. Um, and 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 so that's why I love about what you're doing because we do we need to. I, I do think we need to customize education because the and I've been calling it. I've kind of changed it. I don't call it public schools anymore. I call it government schools because I, I people think need to reframe the way they think about it. It's the government option for education. So you have all these choices. You have homeschool, you have charter schools, you have private school, you have micro schools. There's a million different opportunities you have to really have a customized education for your child, or you could take the public option. That's okay. But if you start thinking about it, like everything else with the government option, you know there's going to be a drop-off in service. And I'm not criticizing our schools. We have great schools, but they're only able to do so much and they'll even admit that. And you know, some of the educators that I do know will even admit that we're not able to do what we'd like to do in school. And that's what's so cool about this customization, because here's what's going to happen. Parents who are engaged in their children's education are able to take advantage of some of these opportunities with the, the school choice money. They're also going to free up resources for those students in school who do need extra attention, because 
they're not going to be busting at the seams with students to educate because they'll have smaller classes also in public schools. I think this is a one size fits all solution for everybody in a sense, because it allows you to choose the other, what I love about school choice. And, and it, I get frustrated that um, Republicans don't talk about this more is that there's people in underserved communities that have no choice, but to attend their public school. That's a failing school when right around the corner, there's a school that can provide them with a better education that they don't have access to. Well, with charter schools or micro schools or private schools, when you have school choice, you're not limited to your designated failing school. You have the opportunity to educate your children where you see fit. And I think this is a benefit to everybody. What do you think? Absolutely. We've seen it here in Florida. The vast majority of students that are taking advantage of scholarships, uh, the government scholarships to go to private school, are low-income and minority students. And, and we're going to see that continue to grow because these families care about their children's education just as much as a middle-income family. I see it all the time in the schools that we open. These parents are beating down the door, wanting their child to get in through a lottery system to a charter school that's going to provide them a better chance at getting out of poverty, a better chance at a future that includes college or a career, uh, because they've seen the results of the local public school. It has failed them. It has failed their family for generations in times and they want out. And so charter schools have been providing that in the state of Florida for about 25 years now. We are a leader in charter school education uh, with over 10% of our students in Florida attending charter schools. Now the ESAs open up just last year. We had over a half a million students who applied for the ESA in just the first six months alone. Unfortunately, there's not a place for all of those students just yet in private schools. They're overrun, they have waiting lists, and that's why it's so important that the government get out of the way, just like in everything else when the government is trying to, quote, create a free market, but then they put all of this red tape in there. Let the parents be the ones to hold the schools accountable. Parents can do that as long as they have information accountability through transparency. And so I encourage the state legislature who is in, in session right now, tinkering around with the program to actually reduce the red tape for families, reduce the red tape for, for suppliers, schools that are participating in the program so that the free market actually flourish. What is, um, what is the, if you look at college, because state college, especially in Florida is becoming really competitive. You know, I went to Florida state, Years ago. Go Knowles. Yeah, go Knowles, right? <laughs> I don't know that I can get into Florida State now. I keep hearing stories about kids no, with like 4.5. I wouldn't have got in right now. I admit. That's what I'm saying. So, <laughs> uh, you know, with, with public education in Florida at the uh, upper level getting more competitive, how do homeschool, micro school, charter school educated kids compare as far as acceptance rates? Does it improve their chances of getting into, into a college that's becoming more competitive? Does it give them an advantage or does it give them a disadvantage? So I think it, it does give them an advantage. You see uh, high acceptance rates, especially when it comes to private school education. It's it's always been seen as a higher level and more challenging. And, and these private schools, many of them have great reputations with these colleges. Um, and it doesn't mean that you can't go to a great college if you go to public school. They're always touting, oh, we send someone to Harvard, or we send someone to Yale. Yeah, congratulations. But what matters is, are you setting up that individual student to succeed? What breaks my heart is when I hear from families who are coming to our school, whose child is in seventh or eighth grade, who has hated school for the past five or six or seven years, who hates learning. I mean, how, how can a child succeed in life if they have been in a, a desperate situation all of that time, whether it's because socially the school doesn't work for them, it doesn't work for their learning style, they have a special need that is not being met, Whatever it is, we are not setting these kids up to succeed if they do not love to learn. 
So it doesn't matter if they're going to college, if they're going directly to career, because there are far more careers now that do not need college degrees to go into all that debt just so Joe Biden can forgive it. Um, but students can actually obtain skills to go directly into the workforce. But if they don't love to learn, if they don't learn why America is the greatest country the world has ever known by learning the history of our country and the history of the world to maintain themselves as an, a respectable citizen, these are the things that are missing. It's not even about getting into college anymore. It's just about being able to function as a responsible adult and learn the things that you need to learn to be successful. That's what's missing in our public school system. And at Optima Ed, that's what we're trying to instill with our foundation. We're helping other schools and other organizations promote school choice, promote empowerment of parents to help parents fight for those things for their kids. Yeah, you know, I was joking with a friend the other day because we were having this discussion and, and especially about like the shortcoming in civics and to Ron DeSantis's uh, credit. Um, he had a focus in reintroducing in civics back into the curriculum in the state of Florida. But I was having the conversation with a friend. I'm like, I don't think if you send your kids to a government school, the government's necessarily going to teach your kids how they don't need government. Like, I think you're sending them to the wrong place if you want them to be, you know, free market type thinking people. The, you send them to government schools, they're going to want you to think like government educated people. So um, that's why I think this charter uh, school and every other option, and that's why I love that Florida and other states now are following suit and giving people choice. I think that's a great thing. So Ms. Donalds, if people want to come and find you, learn more about you, learn more about Optima Ed or anything you want them to learn about, where can they find you and all the information they seek? Well, definitely find me on social media. I'm like you, love Twitter, and they can see me at at Erica Donalds, E-R-I-K-A, Donald with an S. Now people know how to spell my last name, so that's nice. Um, but OptimaAcademy.online is where they can learn about the tuition-free option available to every single one of them for their kids, their grandkids, their neighbors who need an excellent education option for their children for free. OptimaAcademy.online, and they can also request more information there. So I love to talk to people who want to help their children succeed. So please don't hesitate to reach out to me. Erica Donalds, thank you so much for coming on our show and, and sharing the information. I know there's a lot of parents out there um, who really value uh, the guidance you've given them, especially you know with what we're trying to do. And, and this is how we change. We we change America uh, in the school system, and that that's where we start. One child at a time. That's what I always say, David. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me and talking about this important topic. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. We'll do it again. Now it's the moment you've been waiting for. We are talking about the suspension of the Ron DeSantis campaign. And I think this is going to be video six. I think what better place to start than at the end? Here's Ron DeSantis telling you uh, why he's suspending his campaign. Take video six. Now, over the past many months, Casey and I have traveled across the country to deliver a message of hope that decline is a choice and that we can, in fact, succeed again as a nation. Nobody worked harder and we left it all out on the field. Now, following our second place finish in Iowa, we've prayed and deliberated on the way forward. If there was anything I could do to produce a favorable outcome, more campaign stops, more interviews, I would do it. But I can't ask our supporters to volunteer their time and donate their resources if we don't have a clear path to victory. Accordingly, I am today suspending my campaign. I'm proud to have delivered on 100% of my promises, and I will not stop now. It's clear to me that a majority of Republican primary voters want to give Donald Trump another chance. 
They watch his presidency get stymied by relentless resistance, and they see Democrats using lawfare this day to attack him. Well, I've had disagreements with Donald Trump, such as on the coronavirus pandemic and his elevation of Anthony Fauci. Trump is superior to the current incumbent, Joe Biden. That is clear. I signed a pledge to support the Republican nominee, and I will honor that pledge. He has my endorsement because we can't go back to the old Republican guard of yesteryear, a repackaged form of warmed-over corporatism that Nikki Haley represents. The days of putting Americans last, of kowtowing to large corporations, of caving to woke ideology are over. I thank all of All right. I mean, I cut it. It was like a four and a half minute concession speech, but I want to break it down for you guys a little bit. It's going to be topic three. Um, here's the full transcript of his speech. I want to break down his speech because it's interesting um, how he goes through it. So I, I kind of want to take this line by line because I, what I want to talk about in the next the last 18 minutes that I have left in this show, I want to talk to you about really what's going on here because there's something very interesting happening and, and I want to talk about all aspects of it. But let's go line by line. Well, the relevant line by lines uh, from what he said. Okay, let me go through here. Uh, you could see it on your screen. Uh, if you want to go read it yourself, this is in USA Today. But here's what he says. He says, he talk, first he talks about political indoctrination. Fine, that's Ron DeSantis type stuff. Um, he's just what he talks about. These choices are symptoms of an underlying struggle to ensure that the constitutional government can endure and Western civilization can survive. We launched this campaign to bring accountability to government regain sovereignty at our border and restore sanity our, our society. We cannot succeed as a country if we allow our nation to be invaded, our currency debased, our cities in crumble, and our kids indoctrinated. Well, that's Donald Trump's campaign. So why did you launch your campaign? I have more questions. The D.C. elites who have facilitated this mess do not work for you. You hear that, guys? The D.C. elites who have facilitated this mess do not work for you. They do not care about you. They work for themselves. They seek to accumulate power at your expense and pursue an agenda that is harmful to the American people. If I had to sum up Ron DeSantis's campaign in a sentence, it would be the D.C. elites who have facilitated this mess do not work for you. They do not care about you. They work for themselves. They seek to accumulate power at your expense and pursue an agenda that is harmful to the American people. What benefit did Ron DeSantis' campaign bring to the American people? Haley will say, we have a democracy. People have the right to choose. DeSantis criticized Trump. There was never a clear path for Ron DeSantis or anybody else from the beginning. Everybody knew that. So why did Ron DeSantis choose to run for president? Well, we all know it was the D.C. elites. They didn't want Donald Trump to be president. They needed Ron DeSantis, a MAGA 2.0, to come in and save the day. It was all about accumulating uh, power at your expense to pursue an agenda. Why does he put that in a concession speech? He goes on. Citizens do not serve politicians. It is the duty of politicians to serve you. Talk is cheap. Actions speak louder than words. I'm going to continue. And you heard the speech. What are the words? The words are, if I didn't see a path forward, why would I waste your money and your time, volunteer hours to try to win an election? What did he say? And I'll go get to it about what he said about uh, what Donald Trump was facing and the Americans wanted to give him another chance and, and lawfare that he mentioned and all of that. Talk is cheap. 
Actions do speak louder than words. You chose to run against Donald Trump, to stop Donald Trump. And be and you and he even said, and I'm gonna get to this later. He says, if there was any path, I would have kept fighting. I would have kept campaigning. If there was another county I would have gone to, I would have done it if I thought I could win. If I thought I could stop Donald Trump, I never would have quit. Actions speak louder than words. And the only thing on this paper in that speech were nothing but empty words. I'll continue. That is the type of leadership we need for all of America. Nate talks about traveling the country, uh, wanting to succeed. Nobody, we left it on the field. Here, here's what he said. Uh, exactly like I said it. If there were, if there was anything I can do to produce a favorable outcome, more campaign stops, I would do it. How are you conceding and at the same time saying, if I could continue to fight, I would? What kind of a, what kind of a suspension speech is this? Then he goes on. So I'm suspending my campaign and I'm 100% proud. Yada, 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 yada. Here's what he says. It is clear to me that a majority of primary voters want to give Donald Trump another chance. They watched his presidency get stymied by the relentless resistance, and they see Democrats using lawfare to this day to attack him. They, they, see what he said here? They watched his presidency get stymied by the relentless resistance, and they see Democrats using war lawfare to this day to attack him. It is clear to me. I didn't just reverse on you guys. I want, to re I want to make this clear. Remember, this is written by somebody. It is clear to me that a majority of Republican, of primary, vo Republican primary voters want to give Donald Trump another chance. He doesn't say he wants to. He talks about they. He talks about them. This isn't a, he's not conceding, guys. What he's saying is these people, MAGA wants to give him a chance, and so be it. Then he goes on. Doesn't go and say, I'm, he does endorse Trump, by the way. But here's what he says. I signed a pledge to support the Republican nominee, and I will honor that pledge. He has my endorsement because we can't go back to the old Republican guard of yesteryear. Really? A repackaged form of warmed over corporatism that he says Nikki Haley represents. And don't get me wrong, she does. She does, and we're going to be talking about her until she drops out as well. But what was the purpose of Ron DeSantis' campaign if not at the to serve the behest of the old Republican Guard of yesteryear? It is the old Republican Guard of yesteryear that Trump is fighting, that all of us that stood behind Trump from the very beginning are fighting. We are tired of the Republican Guard from yesteryear, the Kevin McCarthy's. The Speaker Johnsons, the who they're calling Chip Soy, <laughs> now out of Texas. The Mitt Romneys, the Ronna McDaniels, the John McCain's. That is the old Republican guard of yesteryear, and they all supported Ron DeSantis. The days of putting America last, of kowtowing, what are kowtowing? What is kowtowing to large corporations and caving to woke ide ideology are over? Then, of course, he thanks his people, talk about being in a blizzard, and talk about how committed his people are. He thanks his wife. Everybody's great. Yada, yada, yada. But I wanted to break this down for you because the here's what's happening now. Everybody's saying this is a call for unity. Everybody is saying now that DeSantis, and you've seen the tweets, and then I'm going to bring up, this is going to be, let's go with, 
Topic four. The tweets have come out and people are saying, you know, this is Kurt Schlichter, who is a big um, DeSantis supporter. Yeah, I'm disappointed that we didn't make it this time, but I'm excited to be shoulder to shoulder with the fi on the firing line with the America first conservative. Let's do this thing. Here's the thing, and I have an article coming out in the DC Patriot probably later today, maybe tomorrow, uh, once I finish editing it. Uh, I have an issue. I'm okay with unity. And you could take down that, that tweet. Uh, I'm okay with unity. I think it's important. We need to have all resources uh, to beat Joe Biden. It's what we needed from the very beginning. It's why Ron DeSantis shouldn't have taken almost $300 million and put it towards stopping Donald Trump. That $300 million could have went a long way in ensuring that Donald Trump beats Joe Biden. It could have went a long way to ensuring that America First conservatives win back the Senate, grow our majorities in the House. Nikki Haley, the money she's spending and the time she's spending, that time and resources could be spent beating Joe Biden. So I'm all in favor of the unity. I think we need unity. We need to get behind Donald Trump. He's going to be the nominee. That needs to happen. But here's the thing. When Ron DeSantis went out to start his campaign, he literally hired a team of social media attackers that went out there. They insulted MAGA. It was one of the many poor decisions of this campaign. They insulted MAGA. They insulted anybody that supported MAGA. They were abusive. They were disgusting, ugly. I have never seen rhetoric, even from the left, as, as damaging as what came out of the DeSantis campaign. He, uh, you could talk to conservatives anywhere. A lot of MAGA is upset with the way Ron DeSantis's people attacked us. It wasn't the right way to kind of get their vote. I mean, if you look at what Vivek Ramaswamy did, somehow his supporters were Trump supporters. It didn't, he found a way to run, run alongside um, Donald Trump. But now DeSantis is out. Everybody's calling for unity. The pragmatic people in, um, in, in politics are saying, yeah, yeah, let's have unity. It, it, it's important. But here's the reality. After the campaign that he ran, how can this country come together? After everything that's happened, his whole campaign was so destructive to our movement. And, and let me back up. If you haven't been somebody that supported Donald Trump from day one, maybe you don't understand this. And maybe this is the right time to explain to people, to my viewers, to my audience, which I'm pretty sure you all get it. But for maybe people who don't or maybe new listeners or, or people watching this who don't agree with me, let me explain Donald Trump to you. Because a lot of people think everybody who supports Donald Trump uh, were just somehow, I don't know, cult members, <laughs> or we just blindly follow him as he's our Messiah. We, I mean, I've heard it all. Let me explain Donald Trump to you. Year after year after year, election after election after election, in your whole life, in your parents' life, how many people do you know that have talked about uh, never voting before Donald Trump? Yeah, who are you going to vote for for president? I don't vote. What? How are you not going to vote? It doesn't make a difference. It doesn't make a difference who I vote for. Nothing ever changes. And they were right. In their lifetime, nothing ever changed. No matter who you voted for, it was always the same. Vote for a Republican, you vote for a Democrat. Nothing changed. It was the same. Then in 2016, Donald Trump comes down an escalator. 
He stands in the middle of that debate stage, debate after debate, flanked by the Republican establishment. He looks at them. He looks at you. He promises to build a wall. He promises to drill domestically. He promised to end foreign wars. He promises to bring peace. He promised to bring stability in the Middle East. And what did he do? He kept every single one of his promises. He filled his, his cabinet with people who had business experience. He fired a lot of them when they wouldn't perform. He didn't fill his staff with people who fetched coffee on the hill who had it entitled to him. He ran government a different way, and boy, was that a threat. It was a threat because he got elected despite the establishment's efforts, both uniparty, left, right, all of them. Remember what they did to try to stop him? He won anyway. And then they spent the last, the next four years of his presidency, fake mob Mueller investigation, two fake impeachments, hoaxes, investigations, wiretapping, spying. I, I, now they're indicted of him 90 plus times. They have tried to stop Donald Trump from the beginning. And who are they that are trying to stop Donald Trump? It's the same people that all of us are criticizing. All of us are talking about everywhere you go. When you talk about Donald Trump, you don't even have to bring up Donald Trump. If you start criticizing government, if you start saying, man, I don't know who I'm going to support, just have some fun. Go out and do an experiment. Go out somewhere where some and talk about the price of something. Talk about inflation. People will be like, yeah, it's getting really ridiculous. Don't mention Trump. And just say, yep, government is broken. They don't care. They keep doing that. And you will start seeing, everybody will start agreeing. Everybody will start saying the same thing. And who are they going to blame? A broken government, a broken Washington, D.C. When everybody is upset with Washington and Washington hates Trump, who do you think you want to support? You want to support the people who hate the guy who wants to change the thing that everybody else hates. This is what people don't understand if they haven't been behind Donald Trump from day one. What Donald Trump represents is a reckoning. What Donald Trump represents is accountability that for once somebody and he's proven it. It's not like it's a promise that he's not going to keep. He, he's proving and he's done it. He did it in 2016. He's vowing to do it again. What he's promising to do is go back to Washington, D.C., finish the job he started, root out all the corruption. And I mean, it's going to be a lot of work. I don't I mean, it's going to take a lot, but I think he can do it. But what he's promising is to clean up the mess, the mess in Washington, D.C., where nothing ever changes regardless of who you vote for. That's why people support Donald Trump, because he's finally offering something that people haven't been given regardless of who they vote for. And what happens when, when, when Donald Trump says he's running for re-election after a questionable 2020 election? What happens? Does the party get behind him? Does everyone say, all right, Mr. President, you were so good You're in your first term and you delivered for the Republicans. He had a, like a 98% approval rating in the Republican Party, by the way. Despite being the former president, despite a questionable election, what happens when Donald Trump says he's going to be president? The establishment goes and finds candidates to stop him. Chris Christie runs against him and gets out of his race and vows to stop him. The GOP wants to stop Donald Trump. That's what's happening. So when you see people like Ron DeSantis show their cards, somebody who claimed to be MAGA, show their cards and be in this race to stop Donald Trump. And he told you he would have continued to stay in this race if he thought he could. He didn't say Donald Trump was the better choice. He says it's clear that his voters want him to be the nominee and I, have, I, I can't be. So I'm just going to honor my pledge and support him. 
He was in this race to stop Trump. Nikki Haley is in this race to stop Trump. Ronna McDaniel is doing her part to stop Trump. Chris Christie, stop Trump. Asa Hutchinson, stop Trump. The Republican establishment is trying to stop Trump. So now that his election looks inevitable, we're supposed to be like, okay, unity's good. Now, listen, I do want your votes. If you're a DeSantis supporter, a Haley supporter, a Hutchinson supporter, I think there was might have been one of you, uh, a Christie supporter. If you want to come to the DeSantis camp and, and vote, we'll take your vote. And on election day, when you have to choose between Joe Biden and Donald Trump, if you have any soul at all, if you care about this country, even a scintilla, you're going to vote for Donald Trump. Maybe you'll vote for RFK Jr., but you're certainly not voting for Biden. So to see these people across social media act as if they made it clear to the world how they feel about MAGA, they made it clear to the world how they feel about Trump, they vowed to stop him, and now that it looks like he's going to win, we're supposed to be like, eh, welcome to the club. No, 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 no. You're not welcome. You are not welcome in our club. This is our party now. This is our Republican Party. The Republican Party that you didn't want. You wanted that old Republican Party that Ron DeSantis refers to. That party is dying. Slowly, maybe quickly, here in a couple of months. Donald Trump is the new Republican Party. And everybody that supports Donald Trump is the new Republican Party. And if you made your campaign on stopping Donald Trump and opposing us, you don't get to make this your party anymore. You join our party. You can vote for us, but you don't get a seat at the table. We know who you are. And once we give you a seat at the table, we know exactly what you're going to do with that seat. We've seen it in Washington, D.C., whether it's McCarthy or Johnson. It's the same deal. It's back to the same old, same old. And this is what people are rejecting. This is why we support Donald Trump. I'm out of time. This has been a fun show. We're going to talk about this more on the post show, David Pollock Space, as we always do at the Pollock Show on Twitter. So make sure you check it out. That's going to start at 7 p.m. Eastern. We're going to talk about this in detail with Matt Couch and Captain Hammer over there. Dan Ball from OANN is joining us tonight on the Twitter space. So make sure you go and join us. Um, as always, thank you for watching. And we will see you here, same time, same place, next week. Thanks for watching. Good night. Listen your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night.